0: to the MTB Tribe podcast. Your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett.
1: Howdy mountain bikers, thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 167 of the MTV Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get on the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So, thanks so much for being with us this week, and thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Now, in this week's episode, we are chatting with Scott Roberts. Now, Scott is from Northern Ireland and It was actually Tom from Broken Riders, the clothing apparel, that asked me to get Scott on the podcast because of a course he was doing, a mountain bike course he was attending in Scotland. And I didn't even know about this course, to be honest. So I reached out to Scott, and Scott very kindly came on the podcast and told us all about it. It's a National Progression Award, an MPA, with the Borders Academy of Sports Excellence College. And it's really to build the experience and education that the student would require to work in the mountain biking industry, including bike skills, psychology, circuit training, personal fitness, photography, everything, social media, all that kind of stuff goes into it. Now, Scott is a very, very keen racer. And um, if you look at his results over the last couple of years, you'll understand why he's... Always on the podium, um, if not at number one, he's at number two, and if not at place two, he isn't place number three. He's a ripper, alright, enough said, the guy rips. Um, so it was great to get Scott on, chat about the the course in Scotland, what he does, what he schedules like, what he intends to get out of it at the end, how you can get involved if you want to do something like that. It is an absolutely awesome Awesome and an amazing opportunity for some young fellas wanting and young girls wanting to get into the mountain bike industry. There's a load of different avenues to attack it from and uh, it's a great qualification to have if you want to do something like that. So we chat to Scott about that obviously in detail, Uh, we chat to him about bikes, about racing, about what he's planned for 2021 and uh, all good stuff, all good stuff us mountain bikers want to hear. So I'll stop talking now, I'll get Scott on the podcast and welcome Scott to the MTB Tribe podcast. Hi Scott, welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast, how's things in Scotland dude? 110%
2: thanks, it's going well, how about you?
1: Aye, good man, good, um, not too bad, well, before I hit record there, we were chatting about my bike problems, but other than that,
2: okay. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> um, a bit of a bummer, but sure, it happens, that's all.
1: Aye, exactly, listen, the bike's almost 12 years old, so it'll give me a really good excuse to get something new, right?
2: <laughs> be, be able to slip that one in all right.
1: Yeah. Aye, cool. And... Uh, Listen you were chatting about the Scott bikes because you're you're on the Scott that psychology has provided you with. I didn't know psychology did the Scott stuff. That's a brand. Let's chat a little bit about that brand because you were you come up with some good stuff there before I hit that big red record button. Um how are you finding the bike? What Scott are you riding?
2: Um well for Marius Maurice bikes I have the Scott Ransom Um, which is their, their enduro, their full on enduro bike, 170 mil travel front and back. Um, and then for the downhill, there's the gambler, which is 200 front and back. Um, and then at the moment, what I have over with me is called Scott genius. So it's the trail bike, um, or more trail orientated. Um, you, you can ride anything that you can on the ransom or the gambler on it. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a really capable bike. Um, but it's you know um, lower spec than aluminium and stuff like that there, so it's just a bit more um, t- takes out winter beating a wee bit better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's um, we've done a couple modifications to it just so it um, keeps up with my um, call it um, subjective abuse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, like the Scott bikes are. Phenomenal. I mean, I, I used to ride um I rode a specialized enduro there through the uh the 2019 se- season um and before that I was on their stump jumper mm-hmm. and one thing I would say is like whenever you flick over onto the Scott bikes the feel pedaling wise they feel like a cross country bike they just like the take off the uh, whatever way they've designed them they are. I would say probably the best pedaling enduro bike out there um, Yeah, wow. or, or, or one of. Um, and then whenever you point them down a hill, like <laughs> they're, there's no stopping them. Um, they're an animal when you point them down the hill. Um, I mean, the, the genius that I have over with me is a 150 mil back end on it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, as opposed to the Ransom being a 170, but you can hit the same stuff on it. Um, um the like the the four-bar linkage that they've used has such a bottomless feel to it that they, I I am yet to feel a bottom out on the yeah. on the shock. Like the the ring has been off the shock before the 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 marker ring, but I've never ever felt that sort of that the, clunk. The that kind of get.
1: clunk, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Wow. Um,
2: what travels that up front? Um, originally it's a one fifty but we'll stuck some 160 forks into it. Um, I, I, I got a set of 38s um, not too long ago that will go into the, the race bike, the new race bike. Um, just, um, just as sort of a bit of a, a keep the original forks good sort of job, you know, so they'll then go back in when it's being sold. Um, okay. but um, we'll have a 160R cartridge for, um, for them so we decided to stick them into the, the Genius as opposed to the 34s that were in it originally right. uh, just to give me a bit more stiffness because the trails over here are quite um, a- abusive to your bike
1: Aye, aye for sure um, we'll chat about what you're doing over there because you're doing a mountain bike course and stuff over there and I really want to get into that and find out a little bit more. Um, the Skull brand's funny because I know when I initially kind of get into mountain big and I think the Scott brand seemed to be a pretty big player in the whole thing. Mm. But and I know there's a local store in Korean in here, not far from me, that sells the Scott brand. And I can remember always driving past and seeing a nice a nice Scott thing in the window. You know what I mean? But it seems to have yeah. fallen. Seems to have fallen kind of into the shadows quite recently. Um, why do you think that is for a brand like that? Because it's an American brand, right?
2: Uh, no, it's Swiss. Oh, is it Swiss? All right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Scott, Swiss. Um, but I think it's sort of a thing of, um, so people remember brands by who's winning on them. So in the cross-country world, Scott's a very, very big brand because you have people like, um, like Kate Courtney on them and Nino Scherter. Mm. And I mean, like, they're both phenomenal riders. And they're riding, you know, they're on the Scott team and they're riding the Scots. And it's... You know, every every time you watch a cross-country race, you're guaranteed to see that Scott somewhere. But then in, in the enduro end of things and the downhill end of things, especially enduro, they actually don't have an enduro team, I believe. Yeah. Not, not yet, anyway. So they're sort of absent, um, apart from Scott-sponsored riders, like um, Scott Austria-sponsored riders or Scott um, Scott UK-sponsored riders who ride the Scots, who race sort of as half privateers like there, there's no team there's no mm-hmm. like you know five or six riders in a team together um it's you know it's sort of individual riders that would go out so they're not as prevalent um and then obviously in the downhill end of things they're they're really getting there you know um the, the last couple of years i do feel they've definitely struggled um especially behind the likes of specialized and um and track um and so on but I mean, there's there's Marine Marine Camry there who won the, the overall in um, mm-hmm. the women's. Um, so the, the, they're starting to get it right. But I think sort of what happened is there was, there was this time period where they were one of, well, they still are one of the leading brands in, in bikes. But um, like whenever you ask someone what bike brand they've heard of, the three most likely answers you get are um, track, specialized, and giant, because they're the sort of the three biggest across pretty much every type of bike you can do, um, with the the exception of um, of a couple of disciplines. Um, but then, sort of, Scott has lagged behind a wee bit, and I think that's because they they were focusing too much on sort of producing the affordable bikes that you could do, you know, your, um, yeah. yeah. The, the likes of the track Marlin, um, very, very popular bike. The, so the cheap aluminum hardtails and stuff like got there that, cause I mean, growing up, I remember just seeing vast amount of Scott bikes, you know, yeah the, the um, the hard tails and whatever else, vast amounts of them, loads of them. But then I never, ever saw anything top end. So they were never, ever like whenever I, whenever I was thinking of, you know, what my dream bike was, it was always like an S-Works Epic or an S-Works Enduro, you know, because you you see them on the top, sort of the top end racing, whereas the Scott has been absent up until sort of the last couple of years. Um, but I feel like you're you're really going to see them pulling through sort of 2021, 2022. That, that I reckon they'll make a really big surge.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, isn't it funny the way the brain works? You know, I don't watch XC at all. I'm, I'm just not. It's not for me. There's too much too hard work. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I never really see the Scott stuff on, you know, if you're watching the EWS or anything like that, you never really see a Scott bike, and yeah. you don't really see many of them in the trails here, locally um, Yeah, you know, isn't it funny the way that brand can just fall out of your radar when you don't really see it
2: it's crazy yeah. that
1: how it works, you know
2: yeah, I mean, it's it, it's sort of the way we've evolved um, as, as humans, I mean, if if there's something prevalent, say, in the in the early two thousands, and then no one does it for five years. I mean, you're you're not gonna remember it unless you think back to when you were doing it. Mm-hmm. So, like, whenever, say, think um, of an example, um, Rotec, the the Rotec downhill bikes, um, the um, very very prevalent in the sort of the late nineties, early early two thousands. I mean, I. I would bet that fifty percent of the people, unless they actually rode back in the nineties, wouldn't know what the brand Rotech was. Yeah,
0: yeah, you know? and, and
2: that's that's because it isn't. It, you know, it, it isn't being shown to them now, so they just forget. Um, and it's 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 the same with run, you know.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? You need to keep as brands and stuff. It just shows you how important that is to keep even to have an EWS team, to have guys out there to keep the name, the brand name and the media and stuff is important. Mm. Cause then you remember it. It's yeah. weird, man. Crazy. All right. Well, hopefully uh, that goes well for you. you. You seem to be enjoying that ride anyway, the Scott stuff. So yeah. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a dream. sort of dream dreamed ride up.
1: All right. Nice one. Nice one. And we'll get into your racing and stuff as well. Um, so you're from Port of Down, Scott. Uh,
2: yes. Just outside it. Yeah.
1: Okay, that's cool. Uh, do you mind me asking what age you are now?
2: Hey, I'm sixteen, so I'm sixteen. You're sixteen. Of- yep, at the end of June.
1: Wow. Okay. And you're over studying in Scotland, right? Yep. It's sixteen.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a, it's a big move. It's all this.
1: Wow. I thought you were in your early twenties for some reason. <laughs> I don't know no, why. Not
2: but there you- yet.
1: No, but you know, it's funny because I'm looking at your results here on roots, roots and rain. And yeah, you're under 18 there, was your last race. So you're obviously.
2: Yeah. Not,
1: unless you've been pulling a fly one and trying to
2: get it. Uh, yeah, just um, uh, uh, scratching out on the, the license, scratching it with, with, with a coin and uh, writing in my permanent marker. Yeah, you, you've caught me.
1: Classic. Um so, are you over there with your
2: parents or anything,
1: or what? How nope. did you get over that way? Right. All right. Well, uh, fellas, in fellas, in and what that move was, why you why you moved to Scotland and the bike course and stuff.
2: Yeah. Well, um, basically, it was I, I heard about it through um, through a through, through a couple of friends actually, had um, just been mentioned to me over sort of um, the twenty nineteen sort of December and then. Twenty twenty sort of July fe- or January February and um the the just explained it of um so there's the, the, there's the schools in France that recognise young talents so um I mean I've known this from a young age um there's motocross schools and there's mountain bike schools and there's running schools and you know a, a vast array of sports cross country skiing downhill skiing um, mm-hmm. and that's that they take you in whenever you're maybe 13, 14, 15 into that school system where it's about giving you an education but also trying to propel you forward in your chosen sport um because they recognize the talent um and wow. that's ba- that's basically what this is i mean it's um it's called BSPMB Borders Borders Academy of Sport and Excellence um, there's there's a rugby course as well, but um, the base course ex- itself or the idea of it sort of stemmed from um, professional football teams um, in England and whatnot who were taken in, taken in youths just after GCSE level. So the level I'm at, you know, the year after GCSE, um, you would... Go into that sort of that route where you were football, 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 and five days a week, be training and in the club. But then what they were finding is, say, a player got injured, like a, a really bad, in, you know, career-ending injury, or they were dropped from from the program for whatever reason. Then because they were they had only done education up to GCSE level then mm-hmm. they were really sort of stuck for it, where they would, um, it, it would really hinder them. So then what happened was football clubs started teaming up with the local colleges. So then they would maybe spend two or three days in the club training, but then the other two or three days would be spent in the college learning. Um, so that then should they get an injury or should they be dropped, they had an education to then fall back on. So they could go to an employer and say, "Yeah, I tried this. Um, I didn't make it in that, but I got this from it. You know, I got um, maybe a, a course in um, how to how to train, how to train someone, how to plan circuits, how to plan a training program, how to um, I, I don't know. Sort of. It, it's always sport based,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: there's there's always more to it." than your sport sort of thing. You know, you could go really to any, um, any coaching agency or any, um, any agency like that, and you would have enough qualifications then to get into a sport based job, mm-hmm. not necessarily doing a sport, but um, maybe coaching it or, or teaching it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, and that, I mean, I think just naturally that then stemmed to, um, I think first it stemmed to rugby, um, and then naturally it stemmed up here to mountain biking because mountain biking and rugby are the two biggest sports really in in Scotland I believe.
1: Yeah. Well, that's pretty amazing. You know, that's awesome. So, you go in there initially. Now, you've Are you hoping to look at it initially from a career in racing, professional racing and See what happens after that. Is that your, your main goal?
2: Yeah, that, that that's the main goal. I mean, um, uh, a few of the names sort of off the off the list who do, who have done this course is a uh, Reese Wilson, the recently wow. crowned world champion, um, and okay. Lewis Buchanan, the Forbidden Rider. He's he's rode here. You know, I could I could pull the list up. Like there's a vast array of professional riders. Um, basically, any professional rider who sort of comes from high England and mid to low Scotland would probably have went through this course. Right. Okay. Um, uh, um. But it's not only that, it also leads to things like bike journalism. So say you wanted to go and write for, say, pink bike.
0: Mm-hmm. This,
2: this course has, um, uh, not a, a, a literacy aspect, of you know, breaking down texts and writing, um, writing reports and texts on, say, um, suspension or bike setup or you know, tires or whatever that they, they teach you that as well. So, yes, there's the racing aspect where you know, me and a couple of your sort of top end lads in the course would be really sort of gunning for, but then also. Um, there's the, the people who just want to fast track to things like bike journalism. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also there's the thing of, there's some people who do this course for the, the sole reason of just improving their riding and getting an education while they do it. So no, no aspirations of going professional, but they love riding their bikes. It's their, their passion. And they decide then to, to do a course on that. Um, mm. It, but from from uh from my aspirations, yeah, it's it's a professional career. Yeah, so, uh, but
1: it's it's pretty awesome because, um, and you were chatting about pink bike there. Have you seen the pink bike academy stuff? I have, yeah. If you watch that, that's interesting. You know the way they're doing that because. They kind of give them challenges, you know, you had to build your mm-hmm. bike first off and then yeah. you had a, you know, you had a bit of a race and then you had a photography day where they went out and they had to, you know, get photos took yes. and they had to, they, and they had to plan it themselves. There's so much goes into the bike industry that, and even looking at it from your point of view, so looking at it from a professional racing point of view, your career's quite short, you know. Yeah,
2: it is, if, it's. If yeah. you're lucky, it's about twenty years. If you're you know, if you're lucky, that's you know, Greg Menar I think mm. he, he's classed as old. He's thirty-eight. You know, mm-hmm. same as Sam Hill. And they've been going on it professionally since they were maybe 18, 19. so that's a twenty year career. Whereas most other careers are from maybe your twenty till you're sixty seven.
1: You yeah, know. yeah. And and I think it's good because and I like the way the Pink Bike Academy have done that because to be a professional racer now, you have to know a lot more than just how to race your bike. You know oh, what I mean? For, for you, for a brand to want you and to pay you, you have to represent the brand, you have to speak to people, you have to sign autographs, you have to be approachable, you have to be all these things. Yeah. And that, that course is learning you how to do all that kind of thing, right, from being a mechanic to how to do social media stuff is it like that is it as widespread as that
2: yes so there's three years to the course so basically you learn everything there is to to do with bikes so everything from um, racecraft to to social media to um planning a training program to writing articles to absolutely everything is covered i mean there's there's mountain leadership as well the wow uh, it's mb mbc uk i think it is that um there's the the course for that there whenever whenever the students are 18 years old they're put through that course and they get a mountain leadership certification
1: yeah okay so that's for guiding and stuff like that and yep yeah that's
2: and i mean it basically, if you want any type of future in the bike industry, this course will only help you to get that. The, you know, there's there's no part of the bike industry, apart from maybe actually manufacturing a bike, um, that wouldn't be covered in this. Um,
1: wow, wow it's, it sounds amazing. You know, and the nice thing about that, I I suppose as well, is. You know, when I was when I was a lot younger and went to university, I had done a business degree. And then throughout the business degree, I actually figured out what I liked within the business kind of umbrella, if you know what I mean. So I suppose yeah. it's similar to yourself there. You know, obviously you're race focused. But when you're doing these other subjects within the mountain bike industry, you can really latch on and say, well, you know what? You know, I would really like to write about that or I would like to maybe guide you know stuff, mm. so you can really figure out what you like and what really where your passions lie. Um, have you found anything like that? Like, there's other stuff that you're really interested in the mountain bike industry.
2: Um, I'll be really, really interested in guiding. Um, yeah, that, that's one thing. Um, if for whatever reason racing didn't work out for me, I would go straight into the guiding industry. Um, so there's a there's a man called Michael Sheil who's over in italy he runs um it's a, it's a brand called Lake, but he um german brand but he he runs gag get sort of guided tour holidays with them in finale on mm-hmm. um, the surrounding area and basically what he does is you know you fly over and it's uh and all things included sort of week away it's like seven to ten days and that includes your accommodation your bike car your shuttles and your gang and basically he takes you up on the shuttles and shows you everywhere there is to go and guides you down the trails and i mean that that sort of stuff i would be very interested in extremely yeah. interested in you know that <coughs> pardon me that, that sort of that sort of um guided touring aspect really interests me. If if I wasn't doing racing, I'd be doing that.
1: Yeah, well, I suppose it's nice. You can, it's always something you can plan off the back of your racing career. Yeah, you know, but, and you know, if you have a um, if you have a good name in the racing career, it's going to help you more so do that as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, that, that's um, uh, one of the coaches on our course is Ennis um, Graham. You you may know him. I uh, raced World Cups for right. Ben Reid. Started. right yeah yeah okay um but he you know he's in the course and there's a there's a real like he has an immense knowledge but it like he sort of shows you i mean like he's been there and sort. he's sort of been there and done that um he, he he's racing up until 2016 and he had a um a bad injury so he does he's only sort of started getting back into bikes in, in the last couple of years, but um, he's now a guide. You know mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what he does. So he's went off the back of his professional career and into the guiding industry with um with the dirt school and the college. So yeah. he's, he he is guiding the course that he was on. Perfect. Um, I mean he um, the, the last year of Reese being here, he um, I believe he guided Reese and stuff we got there you know so it's um it's definitely an interesting atmosphere but there's like as i was saying like if you want to do anything bike related you you sort of want to be on this course so yeah yeah
1: yeah. and the beautiful thing about it is you're you're in there with like-minded people you know you're all you're all interested in the same industry and and being involved in some way with the mountain bike side of things and you know it's all about networking bro and you'll know you'll know this anyway being in the course it's all about who you know and yeah you know you know and it makes a big big difference when you're wanting to get things done down the line a little bit
2: absolutely it's not what you know it's who you know
1: yeah yeah for sure um take us through so take us through roughly a week what you would do there you know because you're more Obviously, aimed at the racing side of things. So, who's coaching you in the racing side of things? What do they get you to do? Can you just roughly take us through what you do?
2: Um, yeah. So, um, the way it works is I have my own training program designed. Um, that's off the off the coaching and the course. I have designed my own my own program. Right. And well. um, so on a Monday, um, I'm I'm sort of doing. It's a bit of a half race day off the back of the weekend, but I do hill sprints and a ride on Monday, and then I'm in I'm in, um, I'm in lectures then Monday morning, Monday afternoon, um, and then midday I go for the ride and do my hill sprints and and just my normal ride, and then Tuesday and Wednesday I'm with the uh, the coaches on the for the dirt school, so um, Tuesdays are in Glen Trace and then Wednesdays are in Interlethan at the moment, but then that'll progress on to be, you know, inner Interlethan, Interlethan, and inner golfy and whatnot. And, right, okay. And we basically just, at the moment, we're just covering, um, as we call it, base miles. So the, the idea is, uh, if you think of it as a big triangle, right? So your base miles is basically the base of your pyramid, of your endurance. Right. And then on top of that base, you build things like maximum power and racecraft and um you know all the other things that amount to racing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So the idea then is the wider your base, the higher your peak can be. So the higher your performance can be. And it's Um, So at the moment, we're sort of working on our base miles and really trying to widen that base as wide as possible to then build the peak as high as possible. Um, And then on a Thursday um, would be my rest day. Um, So I'd just do, you know, a lot of stretching and a bit of core work. And then on a Friday, um, I am in lectures until about 10 o'clock. And then i um, out of the lectures and I normally do some stretch and then go for a ride at some After this here, I'm going to go for a, a quick ride, spin out mm-hmm. the legs. And then i an all lecture lecture um, at uh, half three to half four um, on a Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday are just go ride your bike. And then I would incorporate things like steady state intervals. So, you know, like a, a five minute sustained effort or a 10 minute sustained effort into that.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, so it's pretty, it's pretty intense, bro. And I suppose you're measuring all these outputs and everything else so that you can map your your progress, your mm. your progression and stuff.
2: Yeah. Um. So I I do things like um I, I do things like a par tests and heart rate tests. Um and then um there's a lot to go off of feeling, so it's a bit harder with enduro and and downhill because. With cross country, um, I used to race cross country, and with cross country, it's the numbers. It's all about the numbers. So your maximum power output, your threshold power, your maximum heart rate, your threshold heart rate, they are the four most important numbers to a cross country rider. Whereas with Enduro, you sort of have this flip where, yes, your power and heart rate are important, but it's also about how you feel. Mm -hmm. so it's about how fast you can go that that's not always determined about how much power you can put down because it's determined on maybe how how good your posture is how good your body position is how confident you are and your willingness to just sort of let the brakes off And, and then that's really where the base really comes into its own because the tuesday and wednesday are coaching days so Yes, we're working on things, but (coughs) um, we're working on technique. So things like body position, uh, you know, keeping your arms bent, keeping your legs sort of half straight. And then, you know, things like cornering, breaking zones, pacing zones, that's all covered on the Tuesday and Wednesday. So then you're learning how to ride fast. Um, not necessarily, um, not not necessarily by training, but just by riding.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, so every every time you ride, you get a wee bit faster and a wee bit faster and a wee bit more confident and a wee bit smoother, and th- mm-hmm. that all adds up then to becoming the likes of um, Greg Callahan and Sam Hill, and you know the, those top end racers. People make a mistake of looking and going, I well, they were just really immensely skilled when they started, and, you know, they were so far above everyone else that they put the same amount of work in and look where they are. Complete nonsense. Mm-hmm. What it was is they worked on all the small things that then led to the big things. So they, they worked on things like breaking zones. They worked on things like bunny hops and manuals and wheelies. So that, that then broadened their skills enough to ride the likes of the EWS and be able to cope with anything and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people overlook that. A lot of people just assume they're great on a bike and that's, that's what it is. Yeah.
1: No, no, certainly it's, you know, it's not like the weekend warrior, uh, like somebody like myself, we go out and ride our bike and, you know, we try and enjoy ourselves and be as fast, but those guys are, they're maybe session and cornering for a full day and then Mm -hmm. they're, you know, stuff like that. They're really working on breaking points and really thinking about it and looking at the science behind it and body position and pedal position and all this stuff. Like it's, yeah, it's crazy. And I suppose it's like that in any sport, you know what I mean? Yeah. You look at all those things individually and then at some stage they all seem to link up and things work out, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to it, man. To be, to be a professional and at the top of the game in anything, you need to you need a lot of, lot of hard work. There's no doubt about it, and you need to do the things properly. And that course seems to be pretty amazing, man. Yeah, I
2: mean, it, it basically there's a big emphasis on no shortcuts. So there's something called base rules that we do on claims. <clears> That's <throat> basically, um. There's technical obstacles on the climbs over here, which is what's really mean because it breaks it up, but you're to attempt all of them. If you put a foot down, then at the top of the climb, you do 10 pushups.
0: Okay. If you, miss,
2: if, you if you miss the obstacle, you do 20. But <sighs> then if you take any shortcuts at all, doesn't matter how big or small it's 50 pushups to shortcut. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> so like basically it's, um, it's trying to coach you down the route of challenge yourself. You know, everything you do, you should be challenging yourself to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're riding along a fire road and you see alongside the fire road, a wee um a wee rock to hop over, hop over it, don't just ride past it. And then it's also teaching you, you know, don't take shortcuts. Do you know, because if you're relying on shortcuts to make you faster. And maybe get a I don't know a Strava kom or whatever. What you know? What, what kind of person is that molding you in to Be if you have mm. to take shortcuts to do something, then how is that going to be any different in the other aspects of your life? You know, mm-hmm. and you got you're going to then try and take shortcuts for everything.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: you
1: know. Yeah, no man. It seems to be. The, I've never heard of it before. The course. How long has it been going for? Do you know?
2: Um, this is it's. Tenth or eleventh year?
1: Really? Wow. Wow. Crazy man. And you've have you just started in September there? Is this your first year, Scott?
2: Yep. Yeah, this is my first year. It's a um a three year course. So it's mm-hmm. three three year maximum course.
1: Right, okay. And how did you go about applying? <laughs> is it something anybody can apply for or
2: Yep, anyone anyone can apply for it. Um I just applied online. So that um if you go to um it's Borders College is the uh, the name of the college but the borders college website and then if you go into the courses and go to level six mountain bike level six base mountain bike that that's the course Um uh, right. the only the only requirements are a minimum of i think it's a b in english and three other it's a two or three other gcse's and then you have to provide proof of skill so proof that you can ride a bike basically like proof mm-hmm. that you're not just a uh, um someone who kicks about in the state on their hardtail does uh, wheelies down the street and has heard about this mountain bike course and thinks i sure you know of nothing else nothing better to do you know i may as well go for that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because um, you... it is like it's it's a limited number so um, i think when max is 12 per per group
1: Really, okay, so that's quite good actually.
2: Yeah it is because the max I, the max that a guide is allowed to take is six, so we mm-hmm. have two guides. there's a, there's 11 in my course, but then um, there's two guides that work with us, so the max they're actually allowed is twelve. but um, I, I, I sort of like having less people because it um, it allows the coaches to sort of um, give you more advanced feedback on what you're doing.
1: Oh, definitely definitely um if you were in a class there 30 or something it would be very hard mm. for the coaches to kind of say okay well scott needs a bit of help with this or he's very good at this so we'll skip mm-hmm. him on to the next bet or whatever no very very important in anything like that um so are you planning on doing the three years there scott
2: um if i can then yes absolutely you know that would be a will be a real goal of mine we we'll, would be to fully complete the course
1: mm-hmm.
2: um because then that would leave me with absolutely everything I could ever possibly need to pursue a career in mountain bikes
1: yeah that's cool what kind of qualification do you come out with is there you know do you know what you call it or is it a number of different qualifications
2: uh so there's there's a number of different ones so there's um uh so there's obviously there's the guiding certification that the uh, Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, something, something stuck in my throat go
1: get a drink, do you need a drink of water <laughs> or something man
2: go for it no, I just need to cough it out but there's there's obviously the guiding qualification and then there's um, there's uh, things like the journalism qualification you get I a, a, um, I can't remember the exact name but basically you get a qualification for bike journalism and then you get just an array of different qualifications. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's it's not like you get one qualification; you get loads, you I mean? um, Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's really, really good for for CDs and stuff we got there as well. You know.
1: Amazing man, amazing. And but the sounds of it, you're really enjoying it, anyway.
2: Oh yeah, I, I am absolutely loving it. So. Yeah, like it
1: seems to me. It's funny, sports people are very different, you know, because let's just say you were to go to university or something or or whatever further your education. A lot, of, a lot of guys with talent like yourself would tend to fall by the wayside a little bit because it would take so much motivation to have a day at school or be studying for exams and then come home and having to get out on the bike or go to the gym and do specific MTB training or do whatever Whereas this is all wrapped in for you all in one. So it's almost like you're already in the industry. You know what I mean? Yes. And that it's so focused to what you want to do. Um, that just seems like a massive advantage to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it is. That's, that's, why, that's, that's why I'm on the course, it allows me to get my education while progressing more than I could when getting, you know, going to, well, quote-unquote normal school because it is normal school you know it's a normal normal course but um you know uh, that's why i'm over here is i I didn't just come over here for the fun i came over here to make a career out of it and that's you know that's what i aim to do and this is the the most direct way of doing so
1: happy days man happy days now scott you've been racing from an early age like 13 or 14 or something right
2: um about seven or eight actually (laughs) (laughs) Was, uh, my cross country. It was my cross-country. It was All my right. discipline back there.
1: Okay, cool. Now, how much has your parents been involved in this? You know, have, did your dad or mum ride or anything like that? Or,
2: um, Yeah, I mean, it's... Parental support is something that, uh, I mean, you, you can't go without. Yeah. You know, there's... Parental support is probably... The, the, the best support you'll ever get because no one will support you like your parents. Um, and I mean, like my, um, it sort of stemmed down from my dad. He raced, uh, he raced world cups with, um, with, uh, Glenn, Glenn O'Brien and Craig. Right.
0: Wow. Back, okay.
2: Back sort of um, late nineties. And then he sponsored Glenn, um, and sponsored writers like Ben Reed and co as well. Uh, so he's sort of always been in the industry as for when I started, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, it, it's something that I've always been doing. Yeah. I mean, I, even from when I was like four or five or balance bikes and then, you know, progressing on to the the unicycles that you clamp on to the, the back of a seat post. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and that just sort of naturally evolved. And then I remember, I distinctly remember um, when I was about, I think it was eight or nine walking into the garage um with with my dad and seeing his old downhill bike hung up on the wall and his old Rotec, uh, which he still has um, ah. and seeing and, and seeing it there and going um Dad can I race your bike? And I'm going, tell you what, if you can race your bike um then you can race mine. And then the the the, the weekend after after that was um was Lady Dixon cross country race. And I won the race, it was my mm-hmm. first ever race win. Wow. Um, and on the way back down the road or at the house, it was one of the two, and so can I race your bike yet? Um, <laughs> and he, um, he, he said, Tell you what, you just, you just keep racing yours, and then eventually you'll get to race mine. Um, and that was a good enough answer for, for an eight year old,
1: <laughs> yeah. Cool, <laughs> um, man.
2: But, cool, but yeah. I mean, it, it's always been there, you know, it's oh, always yeah. something we have done.
1: Yeah, happy days. No, I'm looking at your results here, and you know it's crazy. They do, they do read very. They read. I'm just seeing a load of sorry. I'm I'm just seeing a load of gold cups beside your name. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like first, first, fifth, first, 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 fifth, fifth, yeah, second, uh-huh. dude, like, unreal. You know, like you personally, how. You're obviously motivated to race, um, and you obviously love what you're doing there. But how competitive are you? <laughs>
2: um, I, I'm extremely competitive, so yeah. I, I'm probably one of the most competitive people you'll ever meet. So, yeah. um, um like don't don't get me wrong. I'm a good sport, you know. If if I lose and I lose for and square, I, I'll be the first person to congratulate you. You know, but. Well, mm. Make no mistake. What's going through my mind is how I can beat you next time. You know, <laughs> like that, that's um, I, I have. I have one sole drive, and that is to be the best. Yeah, you know uh, that. That is my my fuel to the fire, as you would say.
1: Yes, yes, amazing. And I think obviously to get the results that you have here that I'm looking at in front of me, you don't get that without that determination and without that competitiveness. Um, It's something you just don't do by chance.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was great in the the, the old days of the under 10s and the under 12s, you know, no train on and you just, you rolled up to the race and um, you give it your all on the day. But, no, re- racing is so much more than that. It's so much more than people see. It's like an iceberg, you know. People, mm-hmm. people see the tip of the iceberg, the sea, your accomplishments, but under that, under that water, there's all the all the times you didn't win, and all the training that you put in, and the sacrifices that you make, and yeah, you know, yeah. there's so much that people don't see and will never see. No, no matter how many times you say. Yeah, there's so much that people don't say. They'll just go, ah, yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah. You know, unless you do it, you can never understand it, Um, I don't think, you know.
1: Yeah. No, totally. I think when you see prose and stuff like that, you see what the media portrays, you know. um, You don't see all the sacrifices, like you say, all the sweat, all the blood, all the tears, everything that doesn't really appeal to the majority of people watching it, you know. Uh, but it takes that. It really takes that. If you don't do that stuff, you're never going to be at the top of your game.
2: Yeah, it's it's all about. It, <laughs> cycling's a weird sport. Um, it's all about the pain that you can take. So, <laughs> and yes, yeah, racing uh, the way the way it was described to me, um, racing is your day off. You're, you you your paid you know paid, paid riders are paid for their training. Mm. Racing is their fun time, you know. That, that that that's how it was described to me. That they're paid to the train. Racing is just, you know, a, a brick break for them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Which is weird for some people to grasp. I mean, I I know that, that that's true. You know, like you know, um, if whenever you're a sponsored rider, yes, you're sponsored to promote the ba- the brand, but when you're sponsored, there's that extra so there's your drive to your drive and strive for success everyone has that i mean that that's common among probably 90 percent of humans Mm -hmm. you know but um whenever you get a sponsorship there's like a layer on top then where you're going like right so someone sees what i'm putting down so i'm obviously good but now that they're sponsoring me it it gives you a wee bit more pressure um Mm -hmm. you know um most people respond well to that pressure. Some, some don't. Um, some just sort of aren't built to take that type of pressure. But I know, I mean, definitely in my case, sponsorship and your relation with your sponsors immensely, like hugely, impact your your results. Um, like if you're not happy in a sponsorship you'll have so much less drive to make them proud and to promote them than if you're, you know, in the shop, um, a couple of, you know, um, for a couple of weeks and you're helping out and you're, um, you have a really sort of good working relationship with your sponsor that that'll, mm-hmm. that, that'll sort of boost you even more, um, to, to sort of strive for that top, top step.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's very important. You need to be in a team. You need that family environment in a team, almost, where mm. you're all working for the same outcome, really. Yeah. You know. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't like to think being on a team where you're not happy, or you just you're not getting the support that you want, or the the team doesn't see things the way you see things, or you know, it's it would be quite a it'd be quite a hard thing to balance and get right a lot of the time. So it'd be very important to have a good team, right?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, to win, to win a race. I mean, Irish races are one thing, British races are a slight step up, but whenever you, you start getting to, especially the world level, it's so much more than just the athlete. So there's so much that amounts to winning a race. It's, it's not just the athlete's performance. It's, you know, do you have good su- suspension? Do, uh, do you have a good suspension sponsor? Do you have good suspension technicians from that sponsor? Do you have a good car sponsor? Do you have a good wheel sponsor? Are, is your bike any good? You know, and, and there's so many things. Like, do you have good mechanics that, that will service your bike and do it right? Can the bleed or brake well? There's so many things that amount to success, but people people have no regard for them. I mean, like I see so many bikes with like brakes that are hanging out of them. Need bled a month mm. ago and tires that are down to their, down to their canvas and wheels that are buckled beyond belief and discs that are warped and rubbing, And I just going like, how can you ever hope to win if you can't even hope to take care of your bike?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, there's a lot, a lot goes into it for sure. Like how much, how much mindset goes into it, do you, do you think? Um, The reason I ask that question is, I had the opportunity one time to speak to Kelly Slater. I don't know if you know, Kelly Slater is like 11 times world surf champion. He's a legend in the surf industry, Um, kind of the goat, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was chatting to him one time and I was over at a competition he was surfing and um, I was over there with Quicksilver and he was sponsored with Quicksilver. So we were Mm -hmm. hanging out in the same kind of after parties and stuff like that. And I was chatting to him and I was asking him at his level. So you've all these pros and their skills are unbelievable. Same in the mountain bike thing. Everybody's skillful. Everybody can really ride a bike. And I was asking him, what's the difference between somebody that just never really makes it and somebody like himself who's 11 times world champion? You know, so I suppose you're looking at the Sam Hills, you're looking at the Aaron Gwens, you're yes. looking at these guys, you know. And he said Besides maybe a little bit of fitness, when you get to that level, he reckons it's all down to to mindset.
2: Absolutely. Confidence,
1: uh, I, mindset, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Do you believe that yourself?
2: A hundred and ten percent. I mean, I, I would say like at the pro level. Pretty much all of them would be as fit as each other. Now, yeah. yes, some of them are, you know, slightly fitter than others, or maybe some of a slightly higher power output or whatever else. But at that level, we're, especially in the downhill, right? So, where are endurance endurance is still a massive part of downhill, but it isn't quite as big a part as enduro, you know. Um, mm. And you have one run to make your mark in in downhill um excluding qualifying and it's all about how your mind works so if you in your mind the the likes of um like Bruni and amory Pieron, they in their mind are going are going to be the fastest down the hill so they ride like they're the fastest on the hill Mm. whereas maybe you're you know top 20 or, you know, not that that's a bad result, it's an absolutely phenomenal result, and the riders are at a phenomenal level through probably the top 50 or 60 in the world, you know. Yeah, would totally. Be, um, I mean, they might have the same physical fitness as like Brittany, but their mindset might be, oh yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll see what I can do today, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, like it's such a difference between you know, like, I am going to be fastest. That is, I am I am going to get from here to there faster than anyone. And go on, I'll, I'll give up my best. So, well.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, I think it's, it seems easy, doesn't it, to say to yourself, yeah, well, I'm going to be as fast as anybody the day. But these guys, they, they just don't say it. They totally believe it 100%, oh, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, they, they. Um, it's all about putting your heart behind it, so anyone can say I'm going to be fastest, but you know, if I say yeah, I'm going uh, yeah, to be fastest today you know, mm-hmm. compared to I'm going to be fastest today w- you know, which rider are you going to believe?
1: Yeah, yeah, totally <laughs> and you see that mindset you know, it's much more than just that, like I suppose these guys have to have everything else done to have that mindset. So they need to know that they prepared for the race 100%, that their yeah. nutrition is 100%. They're so confident that they've done all that stuff correct, that they can. It allows them to have this mindset, um, race in, race out all the time. It's yeah. it's that precise, right?
2: Yes, Absolutely. So that that all comes back to the no shortcuts. Mm. So it's you know if you take shortcuts on a climb to get a faster time up the climb, what's to say you won't maybe miss out that last hill sprint or miss out those last five squats in the gym or mm-hmm. take a couple of kilos off that barbell? You know what? What's um where where is the proof that you won't uh, or where, where's the proof that you will give your all? in every aspect of your training. That, that that accounts for nutrition, that accounts for gym work, that accounts for riding your bike. Everything. Everything requires a hundred percent effort. Um especially at that pro level. Because if, if they don't they're only cheating themselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you ever get do you ever get fed up with having to give a hundred percent, Scott?
2: Um I mean motivation is something Motivation is always a challenge to everyone, you know, because there's always that voice in everyone's head going, ah, you know, do I have to do that? You Mm. know, but it's the difference. What makes sort of men from the boys or the the pros from the amateurs is the, the mental strength to say, yes, I do have to do that. You know, shut that voice out completely, just ignore it. That mm-hmm. that voice that sort of tells you, ah, you can stop a up early here. You know, you've you've done enough. Um, whereas the pros will push through that barrier, um, and it's all about motivation levels, and that's that's something that sponsors ma- massively help with. You know, if someone sponsors you, then in your mind you're going, that, I, "I'm good enough for someone someone to consider sponsoring They're Like you know, that's a Flip I'm. you know. I must be getting somewhere here. that's that's really give it a shot, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you're a, a privateer and no one, you know, no one's sponsoring, no one's giving you offers, um, people are maybe denying your, um, you know, you maybe applied for sponsorship and you don't get picked, that can really whittle down someone's motivation. Yeah. So kind of, you
1: know? Oh, for um, sure. I'm sure, yeah. Um, yeah it, it's it's so it's so interesting that there's so much goes into it you know it's just not riding from the top to the bottom as fast as you can
2: <laughs> yeah yeah pe- people don't realize okay.
1: yeah it's crazy man it's crazy well listen i'm a bit uh i'm, I'm looking at the time here because i don't want to you know you're going to do things 100 so you need to get out on that bike ride the day so i don't want to keep you too much longer
2: No, uh, it's grand.
1: cool cool listen i just wanted to ask you about Obviously, obviously the race season this year was cut a little short. Um yeah. just with everything that was going on with COVID and stuff, but you had some awesome, awesome results. Um You more or less came first and everything just looking at this. <laughs> <laughs> uh what's your plans for twenty twenty one? Are you going to race over here? Are you going to do the Vitus stuff, etc? Um
2: well for twenty twenty one my sort of the, the main event in my calendar is the Tweed Valley EWS. So the EWS in Interleeton. Cause mm. it's literally like I could ride five minutes and be at the venue, you know. There, there's yep. no point in me not racing that. So that that is the 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 event with a star around it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I'll do things like the Irish Champs. Um, I'll be doing the IDMS series. Um, I hope um, to then get on to hopefully the the World Championships theme for Ireland.
0: Awesome. That'll be a man. big
2: goal um, for the juniors. And then, obviously, um, if possible, you know, if and where possible, I'll be doing things like the IXS rounds, um, the British Enduro rounds, and BDSs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because I'm already over here, so I may as well. <laughs> may exactly. as well do them. Yeah, like, it's I, all experience, I will, I will, right? I will be doing um, Irish races. So,
1: yeah, that's cool. And does your course give you time off to do the likes of that? You know, so say you wanted to come over and race at the Gap or something. You know, w- would your course allow you to come over for a weekend to do that? Or,
2: oh, yeah, it's um, sporting, sporting absence is what it's called. So, I mean, almost every school has it, you know. Um, mm. but if you if you write a letter or an email going like, look, um, I, I'm such and such and I'm on your course and I'm looking to race this race, but to race this, I'll need to leave on a Friday morning so I'll miss Friday lessons and I'll only be getting back maybe late on on a Monday so I'll miss Monday lessons could I have a sporting absence for this mm-hmm. and 99% of the time you'll get yep no problem go race
1: yeah cool yeah you
2: know, unless it's like exam week or something
1: yeah yeah <laughs> you know? yeah well hopefully nothing lands in exam week for you um, <laughs> and you get to go racing yeah uh, Brilliant to chat to you, Scott. I really, really appreciate you coming on, on the show. Um, you certainly don't come across as a 16-year-old, and <laughs> you you speak far, far better than that. And, you know, you're obviously intelligent, and you obviously know what you want, and you have a vision for what you want there. Um, so I wish you all the best with it, man. I'll definitely be keeping an eye on you. I, I think you've got real, real, real hopes there to, to do something really good, so... And it's just awesome to have somebody from from here, dude. From this small island, <laughs> again at the top. You know, I keep I keep hounding people in the podcast about it, but we have so much talent here, young talent. It's unreal.
2: Oh yeah, I mean they likes like Ashin O'Callaghan there. You know, yeah, world champion from from Ireland, second ever Irish world champion, I believe after um, after Colin.
1: Aye, Colin crazy, yeah. You
2: know, in the in the Masters, like. It, to think like someone, I mean, whenever, whenever I meet someone and they ask me what to do and, you know, like, oh, are you any good? And, um, yeah, came um, second or third in the Irish Champs. And they sort of look at you and go, uh, yeah, of course you did. Because like, who, I mean, who's to believe that there's only one person who comes first and one person who comes second and mm-hmm. one person who comes third. So who's to say you are that person? Yeah. You know? And, and yeah. I think that's that's something people people seem to have a real doubt in their mind especially for, for smaller countries so if countries like America massive countries with, with huge populations so people can believe a world champion will come from there because there's so many people to choose from to think like you know surely someone has to, has to <laughs> have what it takes but then the start whenever you start looking at things like that the start sort of skipping countries like you know ireland and the, the smaller countries but we have you know we have just as good if not better riders and it you know like our trails something i re- realized whenever i come over here like these trails are amazing but then see compared to the trails back home they're bad be- like yes these trails are better because they're world class but like they're not that much you know they're not yeah. To the degree better where you're going, like, yeah, no one over home could ever make it to professional level. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. The,
2: the, the trails are, the, the Irish trails are world class, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, one thing I'd love to see is the, is the EWS return to Ireland. That, yeah. That's one thing I'd love to see. Because, so um, you know, we do have the trails for it.
1: Yeah. I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen. And with this expansion down south now and all the money being pumped into it, you know, I think it'll happen. You
2: yeah, know, it's I, not too I, I far,
1: not too I far off.
2: Yeah, I couldn't see it not happening mm-hmm. put it that way.
1: Yeah, and especially if you guys are taking freaking checkered flags and everything else,
2: mm. you know,
1: it's going to have to happen. So,
2: yeah, I mean, like, yeah, uh, that, that's one thing. If you study, it, it's it's sort of funny to look at. See if you study, so say a country's never been in the world circuit, and then one of their riders goes out. And wins a World Circuit event, the World Circuit will loop round in the next two or three years to that country.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, there, there's like a there's a pattern to it. So after the first, like I think the first downhills were in the USA, I believe, um, and then people from Canada came down and won, and then the events started to move to Canada, mm-hmm. and then people from Europe. Started to go over and you know well not go over and race but you know we're racing mm-hmm. so then the World Cup or the World Series took note of that and then they moved into Europe and they went to France and Switzerland and Slovenia and UK and you know wherever else and wherever a world champion or a winner comes from the race will follow you know yeah
1: yeah I think it's very true uh, because you can put so much more behind the race you have local you have local riders there that can compete and everything else and it'll get more spectators, it'll get more media interest. The whole thing works together, you know? Yeah. So, no, it's really cool, man. Like, before I let you go, like how, how stoked are you to be in the industry at the minute? Like, the industry just seems to be booming, seems to be a lot more interest. Like, how happy are you with things like that?
2: Oh, I, I, I honestly couldn't be happier, you know? I, I would describe now, sort of the, this era of 2015 on to be the golden age of mountain biking, you know. So you had the st- the startup age, sort of through the 90s, and then you had this age of growth where it was growing really rapidly. And you know, yes, it fluxed and defluxed and whatever else, but I mean, in Ireland, for example, downhill is really making a surge back to the top. Mm. You know, um, whereas like cross country was sort of the top top for a while. But now it's it's shifting back to downhill, which is really nice to see. So I think personally, I my generation is getting the best of the industry. Mm-hmm. So so we are, you know. Um, but like in terms of how happy I am to be in the industry, I honestly could not be happier. So I couldn't.
1: excellent, but excellent. Well, that makes things easier too. So enjoying yeah. what you do and loving what you do, yeah.
2: Oh yeah. If you enjoy what you do, you never work a day in your life. <laughs>
1: That's it. Yeah, very true, mate. Very true. Just think of that later when your legs are burning, right? When you're out for a spy <laughs> Oh,
2: well, I can only imagine the fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, listen, bro, I'll let you jump on there. So thanks so much for coming on the show. And listen, you have, to, you have to promise me something when you're a world champion or something like that. Or you have to come back on the show and tell us about it, right?
2: Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. You
1: have my word. Excellent, bud. I appreciate it. Well, listen. Have a great day. Good luck for the rest of the year, and um, I hope to see you at some of the races over here in 2021. So we can, uh, I'll buy you a coffee or something. No alcohol, <laughs> no alcohol and race day, but yeah, I'll take you up on that
2: offer.
1: So. All right, bud. Listen. Thanks so much. Have a good one. All,
2: right, all the best. Thank you very much.
1: That's a wrap for episode 167. I hope you enjoyed that, folks. And I know it was a little bit different of content for the podcast, but I thought it was so interesting. Like, that course sounds amazing. Scott is totally 100% sold into it, and it's only going to make Scott do amazing things on the bike. No matter if it's through racing or through working for companies, working for brands, whatever it may be, that course is definitely going to help you and if I'd have known something was about like that when I was a young ripper I definitely would be looking into it and uh, inquiring about getting on that for sure. So Scott thanks so much for coming on the show I hope you enjoyed our chat and uh, it was great to get you on and I think it's amazing I think what you're doing is amazing you have your head screwed on in the right direction without a shadow of a doubt Um, so good luck mate good luck and I'm sure I'll see you at some of the race events over the 2021 season. Now, if you want to know more about Scott and more about what we chat about, just simply go to the show notes. You'll find them at mtb-tribe.com, where you will get all Scott's socials and a little bit more information about the course and links to the course and stuff there if you're interested in finding out more. And uh, you'll be able to read a little bit more about what we chatted about on the podcast. Now, if you're enjoying the show and you want to support the podcast, the best way is by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on our Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. Now, if you're not on Apple, you can also find and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, and all other good podcast platforms. You can also check out our website, mtb where you can find the complete bike catalogue. Listen and download every show from there for free also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. You can also find us on social media at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you're old school and want to get in contact via email, you will find me using info at mtb-tribe.com. I do read all emails and I will get back to you. So thanks again this week, folks, for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. I will be with you next week for another exciting show but until then as always get the bikes out hit the trails and stay MTB Stoked